Shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Upper Room After Hours. Um, we made it for another week, praise Yah. And um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get stuck into another weekly digest of what the world has to offer. Um, yeah, got a good one lined up for you this week. And uh, yeah, without further ado, uh, we'll get straight into it. Um, again, thanks for joining me. It's a yeah, it's a pleasure as ever. So um, let us uh, dive deep into uh, into the first segment. So um, our first um, first story. Um, I think with regards to. Uh, the way uh, things have been taking shape uh, of late in the world uh, with regards to um, you know, gender politics and um, the, the, the kind of wokest liberal agenda and how it's, uh, how it's been playing out in, in, uh, in real time, like real, real fast. Um, I came across this article. Um, now, th- th- this isn't so much about the, the subject matter um, although it is it is pertinent um, and does tie in, it's it's more to do with language and how these uh, these politics these uh, agendas are actually uh, starting to affect um, reality and some very basic principles of what we've built uh, civilization on uh, for a long time and. Um, it probably sounds a little bit melodramatic, but um, it is what it is. And um, uh, a, a great word that I came across was uh, ontological. Uh, now, ontology is the reference point of reality, up, down, left, right, your awareness, and uh, just basic core principles of, of being in this, uh, in this dimension. And uh, we are in the midst of what's known as an ontological warfare, where our bearings our guidance is being completely uh uh, well it's attempted to be obliterated and i think this article gives a great um demonstration of what it means for that warfare to 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 manifest in in real time and why i think language is important because so much is based on um how we do things Uh, and it sounds real simple but uh that that's just that's just how it is and when you start messing with basic principles, uh, it's really strange and bizarre. So uh, we have here, uh, recently we had uh, the, the Women's uh, World Cup and opinions aside about uh, that, um, I came across this article uh, about a, a specific player for Canada uh, called Quinn. Now, this individual, again, I just have to stipulate this is by no means an attack on the individual like i'm sure they're lovely uh, i've got no beef there whatsoever but it's it's more as i said in and around the language uh, used in and around this article um uh, it just beggars belief really so quinn is the the groundbreaking first out transgender player at a fifa world cup um now it doesn't take long for for the language to just go completely ski with, so um, I'll, I'll read it and we'll just we'll just um, commentate as we go. 
Uh, in their opening match against Nigeria, Canada midfielder Quinn became the first out transgender player at a FIFA World Cup. Like their style of play, it was done with minimal fuss. Uh, again, you're probably not going to need to know anything about football to, to see how um, uh, strange this all sounds. Uh, Quinn is a key part of Canada's midfield. Their place, their place is the midfield anchor, crucial as the Olympic. Their place is the midfield anchor, crucial as the Olympic champions aim to add the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup to their cabinet. Uh, they played the full 90 minutes against Nigeria. The result was a goalless draw. Uh, but the Canadian number five's role created history. Now, Quinn came out as non-binary in September 2020, dropping their old first name, asking to be known only by a mononym, uh, a name composed of only one word, uh, and saying they would use the pronouns they, them. Um, they have been an important figure for the national setup since making their senior international debut in 2014, when they became teammates with players who had shown them there was a future in football. Um, seeing the women's national team and fortunately being able to interact with some, some of them uh, was hugely important for me in understanding that there was a pathway for me. They told Streets of Toronto before this tournament. Uh now, Quinn is looking to help uh, drive their country's bid for glory just as they did at the Tokyo Olympics. However, the significance of their gender identity, especially given the ongoing and often fraught conversation about transgender athletes, cannot be ignored. It's groundbreaking, historic, Harjo Hal, a Canadian freelance journalist who has covered the national team since 2012 and is working at their third World Cup at her third World Cup, uh, told BBC Sport. Now, Harjo Hal, like a uh, Canadian journalist, uh, is obviously going to be all over this. But, um, yeah, propagating this uh, pronoun um, narrative uh, word gymnastics. Um, it shows people who watch sport that you can be non-binary and still play fantastic sport. Quinn is a great footballer and amazing per person. Happy and comfortable. That's all you want to be as a professional athlete to play your best. Uh, true. Uh, this is the latest piece of history made by the midfielder who plays their club football for uh, O.L. Reign in the top tier of United States club football. Uh, Joe Howell, who has covered Quinn with the Reign since their move there in 2019 says their coming out was a barrier-breaking moment in Canadian sport and society. There was generally a very positive reaction to them coming out, she says. Canada is an open and welcoming country. Uh, nothing changed from the national team perspective. Fans loved them just as much before as now. Th who's them? The, the player? The team? I'm confused. Anyway... The greater, greater impact was on the public who don't know as much about the players or soccer in general. Quinn is now seen as a role model for LGBTQ plus people, so it's tremendous they felt comfortable to come out. That support has been born out of the Canadian team at the World Cup. I'm really proud of what Quinn's doing to raise awareness and make, I guess, this world a much more inclusive place, manager Bev Priestman said. Captain Christine Sinclair said, We joke that we don't deserve Quinn. They're that good of a person. No doubt. 
Quinn was also the first ever openly transgender Olympian as they played for Canada at the COVID-delayed 2020 Games in Japan. Um, Canada's opening fixture, a 1-1 draw with Japan, came several days after transgender several days before transgender woman Laurel Hubbard competed in the weightlifting amid much media fanfare, uh, thus allowing Quinn to make some quiet history. Louder history is made when Canada beat Sweden on penalties in the final, thus making Quinn the first out transgender person to win an Olympic medal. Now they are aiming to add a World Cup title to that role of honour. Uh, Quinn played at the 2019 tournament before coming out, and if they play against the Republic of Ireland in Perth, likely to be in front of the back four as the pivot protecting the defence, it will be their 90th senior international cap. Uh, Quinn is a great defensive player, said Jahal. They are a fantastic, integral part of how they want to play. Again, they, the individual, they, the team... They are fantastic. Who Who's fantastic? Uh, we saw that versus Nigeria, how dif- difficult it was to get anything going against the Canadian defence. I think they will stay in the lineup. Canada's defence is bread and butter, and Quinn is key to that. It's just like a proper head wrecker trying to... Uh, you, I can literally feel the cogs like seizing in my brain trying to... Navig- like trying to negotiate these these grammatical principles and it's like it, it it's not right <laughs> uh, unfamiliarity with Quinn's gender led to some negative reaction following the match against Nigeria uh, searching their name on Google brings up does Quinn take testosterone as the number one suggestion uh, Quinn said after coming out they do not plan to increase their testosterone levels nor medically transition through other methods while playing professionally. Uh, there will always be rubbish. Uh, people with closed minds who want to change law, Jahal says. I hope that when they see an athlete like Quinn, they are a regular and normal person. They love gardening. They are a big gardener, a normal person with normal hobbies. Um uh, Quinn has not shied away from the attention which naturally comes with being a high-profile high transgender athlete. They wore a hoodie saying protect trans kids before a rain game and in a 2020 interview with BBC Sport expressed their concern about trans-exclusionary policies from other sporting governing bodies. In June, they took the National Women's Soccer League, the league in which they play for OL Reign, to ask for problematic policies on trans players which do not mention non-binary athletes. I hope the organisation can find space during their Pride celebrations this month to understand and educate themselves, as education is key, uh, on the limitations of their policy. On the pitch, Quinn's style of play is like their career, unfussy and effective. Notable for the job done on the pitch rather than the noise off it. Um, Canada may need a bit more than that, though, to get through a a tough Group B, which features co-hosts Australia alongside Republic of Ireland and Nigeria. Um, I'd like to see more of them getting forward, says Jahal. Canada needs goals from anyone. And if they, brackets, Quinn score. (laughs) What a story. I mean, I'm exhausted. Um, I don't know how well that translated in terms of uh, just how that came across because it's just, as I said, the, the, the mental gymnastics involved in that is too much. And um, 
when I say it's a warfare on on our senses and and uh, common sense and what has been uh, taught and what has been known, um, I guess I'm just a bit of a dinosaur. But um, I, I literally I I cannot compute, and it's r- a real struggle. But um, I think maybe from my part in my personal life, I'm quite fortunate in that I probably am quite uh, sheltered to uh, these. Um, uh, these inse- these uh, agendas in a in a day to day area. Uh, I've certainly worked in in environments where, you know, the buzzwords of inclusivity and love and um, progressivism and all the all of that kind of uh, liberal stuff. Um, yeah, I, I've been in, in environments where that that has been prevalent, but um, I'm, I, I, that that just really stands out for me now, and um, I feel very fortunate that it's something I don't have to uh, uh, navigate as much. But um, yeah, as I said, it's not so much about the um, the individual. The uh, um, it's not about the uh, the subject as much as as what the language and how these things are actually beginning to infiltrate and affect and manipulate um uh, media culture and uh, even even the written words so um yeah that's uh, that's our first story um yeah as ever let us know what you think So if you had to, do you have to deal with this on a day-to-day? Is there a, a tolerance on your part with regards to dealing with things that are just completely illogical uh, in, in in under the guise of inclusivity? Um, yeah, the struggle, the struggle is real. The struggle is really real. Okay, for, um, for our next story, uh, I was sent a... Uh, video uh, this week uh, which I just thought was really cool um, and basically inspired uh, this next segment um, slightly unrelated but I just thought it was cool so it's uh, it's probably worth taking a look at really cool um I, c- I can watch this sort of stuff all day long any lightning thunder tornadoes <laughs> it's game over but um yeah just incredible this is in south america and very much uh, you get that exodus uh vibe mount sinai um but the the premise being like you don't see this very often this kind of phenomena and um i think it just got me thinking along the lines of, um, you know, there's very peculiar things taking place 
on the earth. Um, and I think this was uh, uh, dovetailed quite nicely with um, what was in the news uh, this week with regards to the, the whistleblowing, so-called, in uh, in US Congress. And um, I think there's been a very interesting uh, build-up uh, of late with regards to certain, again, certain agendas, um, certain things that are playing out that have been um, been rolling out, being rolled out and been programmed into the masses for, for a long time. And um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the, um, the this whistleblowing, UFO whistleblowing that's been taking taking place in the, in the US Congress. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just get into it. I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade uh, UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, uh, to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons when I uh, requested it. I made the decision, based on the data I collected, to report this information to my superior, superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect becoming a whistleblower. As you know, I've suffered retaliation for my decision, uh, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead uh, to a positive outcome of uh, increased transparency. Have you faced any retaliation or reprisals for any of your testimony or anything on these lines? Yeah, uh, I have to be careful what I say in detail because there is an open uh, whistleblower reprisal investigation on my behalf, and I don't want to compromise that investigation by providing anything that may... Uh, help provide somebody information, but it was very brutal and uh, very unfortunate, some of the tactics they used to um, hurt me both professionally and, and personally, to be quite frank. I take it that you're arguing what we need is real transparency in a reporting system so we can get some clarity on what's going on out there because there are many pilots in your situation, um, but we should have a, a way of developing a system systematic inventory of all of such encounters. Is that right? Yes, and I think we need both transparency and the reporting. We have the reporting, but we need to make sure that information can be promulgated to commercial aviation as well as the rest of the populace. Well, what about you? What was your experience after you came forward? Well, uh, it's only been about two months or so, so I guess my experience has been you know, overwhelming support from uh, former colleagues of mine that have you know, privately messaged me, and, and I do appreciate that. Uh, but I, I do have knowledge of um, active planned uh, reprisal activity against myself and other colleagues, and it's very, very upsetting to me. Coming from where? Uh, certain senior leadership at previous agencies I was associated with. So we've got this um, former agent um, who is um, basically... Uh, Disclosing information with regards to um, UFOs and aliens and, and the like, and um, he's—I mean, th there's there's a lot of information being shared in and around this um, these meetings, but essentially, this guy's—he's uh, revealing, but not really revealing anything. And um, 
I think um, basically the the twenty year old me would be getting super excited about the disclosure of the aliens and the UFOs, but um, fast forward a number of years, and uh, uh, I'd like to think a, a degree of uh, an increase of Bible literacy, literacy uh, has given me a good grounding for um, maybe being a bit skeptical about things like this now. For all intents and purposes, this guy could well be uh, telling the, the truth about his experiences. And, um, you know, he, he, he could well be doing his bit. Um, but a couple of things in that he doesn't explicitly reveal like any major stuff. And I think the key key part for me is an individual who is whistleblowing who was formerly part of a, a government agency, he's only saying things that he's been either allowed to say or been instructed to say as far as I'm concerned. Um, for what reason, um, we'll, we'll get into, and again, the, the things that we, we cover may not be new, but I think it's just a fresh a fresh twist on, on, uh, on events. Um, next clip, here we go. Believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and, and where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General. Has any of the activity um, been aggressive, been um, hostile to, in your reports? Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured, and uh, the activity. By by UAPs or by by people within the, the federal government? Both. If you were me, where would you look? Titles, programs, departments? I'd be happy to give you that in a closed environment. I can tell you specifically. And I would say, and I've told people, that you, you have to know where to look. They're not going to divulge it to you because of the classification levels. But if you know where to look and who to talk to, which is exactly what Mr. Greshkin point you, then you, then you have them. Do you believe that our government is in possession? Uh, so, yeah, this guy's basically saying that he's he's got names, he's got places, he knows where um, both the uh, tracking and um, the reusing of, of uh, unidentified, unidentified technology is being used by government agents, um, agencies rather. Um, but without being specific... Uh, and again, I, I just <laughs> with with the uh, American government's history of uh, controlling and manipulating information, there's nobody who's going on mainstream media and talking candidly uh, without uh, them giving the go ahead. So uh, he he speaks about how uh, the fallout from his whistleblowing has been brutal and uh, difficult, and he's facing all of these obstacles. And that, again, that could very well be true. Um, but the uh, I think the the angle we're looking at is why when governments both in the UK and it, just in the West in general and probably across the world have been uh, notoriously um, suppressing information in and around the realms of uh, UFOs and, and aliens and and all the rest of it technologies and military um, involvement. Um, again, because of the complexity and the depth and the history of this subject, I'm going to try and like keep this narrow because we could go into all sorts of, you know, Antarctica, Admiral Bird, and 
we could go into many different directions, but I, what I wanted to kind of just graze over is this premise of um, a preparation of disclosure, a preparation of um, an acceptance and understanding that there is uh, other life that we we do have visitors among us and all the rest of it, you know. And um, as I say, going going back to the days of uh, the X, watching the X Files and all of that stuff, this would have been uh, would have had a completely different angle on it, but. I think when you look at these things for a biblical lens, and I'm not saying I've got this one sewn up by any stretch, um, but when it speaks of in Revelation, you know, the uh, the premise of uh, a grand uh, deception, and you have the uh, the, the, f- the now infamous uh, operation or Project Bluebeam, um, it it makes you wonder how. We've gone from the suppressing of information, you know, when you're thinking from Roswell in the 50s all the way through to uh, modern day, uh, this this gentle edging and revealing and acceptance of of this uh, of this narrative and how we're being primed and prepared and ready to accept this, um, uh, yeah, this this uh, life from from outer space, as it were, and. Uh, again you know this this i don't think biblical cosmology and how you see uh the earth and everything else really I you know i think it can have an effect on how you feel about these things but essentially it's still the same principle of a, a deception in order to accept uh false gods uh really um so i just thought i'd take it back to the foundation of of what blue beam actually is because i think it can be a bl- buzzword that maybe uh, people aren't necessarily familiar with or know too much about now um this was uh um a there was a uh, basically an investigative um, an investigative journalist by the name of serge monast um he was a yeah a canadian guy uh and in i'll just read it in 1994 serge monast published project blue beam brackets nasa in which he detailed his claim that nasa with the help of the united nations is attempting to implement a new age religion with the antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technologically simulated second coming of christ Uh, and this project has four steps and we'll look at those four steps but it's interesting so when you start getting into this premise of um you know ufos aliens but how it's somehow uh woven into this narrative of of antichrist and new world order uh and again um you know for the tin hat enthusiasts out there it it can you know it can be a bit of a bumpy ride when you get into these areas but for the most part this is this is something that's like uh probably not even that like hidden like most folks might well have heard of uh blue beam and uh this this premise that uh, that there is a, a spiritual deception taking place, um, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating insight when you start looking into and and as I was as a kid, I was fascinated by UFOs and aliens and and everything else, but I had no idea about the relations to uh, the spiritual realm and how we're we're dealing with you know the realms of fallen angels and uh, demons and deceptions and all of those. Uh, all of those things it's it's quite an amazing uh, uh subject but anyway these these four steps to to blue beam 
Uh, step one, uh, the breaking down of all the archaeological knowledge by faking earthquakes at precise locations around the planet. Fake new discoveries will finally explain to all people the error of all fundamental religious doctrines, specifically Christian and Muslim doctrines. Now, I just want to <laughs> state, I didn't write these steps. I don't know if I necessarily agree with all these steps, but... I think it's interesting taking a look and seeing um, if any of these things are, are ringing true, given that this was written, you know, 20 odd years ago. Um, step two, uh, a gigantic space show wherein three dimensional holographic laser projections will be beamed all over the planet. Uh, the projections will shape place, uh, will take shape of whatever deity is most uh, predominant and will speak in all languages. At the end of the light show, all gods will merge into one god. That is the Antichrist. Uh, disillusion of social and religious order will set loose millions of programmed religious fanatics through demonic possession on a scale never witnessed before. Uh, United Nations plan to use Beethoven's Ode to Joy as the introduction to the new age one world religion. Gosh. Well, really, even step two isn't like a... It doesn't feel that far away in terms of the technologies and the things that are available um uh step three um well actually going back to step one where it says about the um uh, archaeological knowledge and faking earthquakes there's always um uh, deception and, and suppressing of biblical uh information and archaeology i mean you've got the smithsonian institute up to up to no good um you've got even just the premise of like biblical uh good biblical archaeology just being completely ignored um you know many atheists and many opponents of the faithful just have absolutely even no idea that, that there are there are really amazing artifacts out there or, or um it's it's hidden uh okay step 3 uh telepathic Electronic two-way communication, which involves making people think their God is speaking to them through telepathy, uh, projected into the head of each person individually using extreme low frequency waves, brackets ELF. Now, I mean, that's a whole show in itself, isn't it? When uh, you're talking about voices in the head, telepathy, um, communication. Um, I think... Um, even if you're looking at the realms of um, uh, hallucinogenic drugs and um, different uh, psychoactive um, substances and how people have shared uh, experiences, uh, communication uh, in a realm uh, that isn't um, governed by, by the, the dimensions of this one, that, that it, it goes on in terms of how communication can actually take place in, in different realms. Um, but what, what's curious is, um, I, I'm just using this anecdotally as well, um, when you hear of the, the classic, oh, well, I heard the voices in my head, or Jesus told me to do X, Y, and Z. I can't tell you how many um, massacres or killers where it's like no I, I, w I believe i was being told by god to do this or god told me this or god there's always some kind of uh, attributing to jesus or god when somebody does something absolutely crazy and so that i say 
I like the fact that the Lord speaks to me through the word. <laughs> That's how he communicates to me, and I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Um, right, uh, step four. Step four has three parts. Uh, 4.1, making humanity think an alien invasion is about to uh, occur at every major city. Well, we'll yeah, we'll get into that more. Um, 4.2, making the Christians think the rapture is about to happen. Uh that's that's a uh, that's a interesting conversation within itself because there are obviously different stances on eschatology and the order of things and but I, I think for the most part I mean Yeshua said behold I, I come quickly I think we can all uh, agree that we are in the last days as it were um, but the order of uh, events is definitely hotly disputed within the faith uh, to say the least. Um, so there, there may be those who could be, um, uh, maybe easily, more easily persuaded that a rapture is about to take place, but I digress. Uh, 4.3, a mixture of electronic and supernatural forces, allowing the supernatural forces to travel through fiber optics, uh, that coax power and telephone lines to penetrate all electronic equipment and appliances that will by then or have a special microchip installed. I mean, it, it's no coincidence he's referred to as the prince in the power uh, of the airwaves. Um, the goal of this deals with global satanic ghosts projected all around the world in order to push all populations to the edge of hysteria and madness, to drown them into a wave of suicide, murder, and permanent psychological disorders. Uh, after the night of the thousand stars, worldwide... Po that, yeah, I've pretty sure the last queen said something about the thousand stars uh, anyway after the night of the thousand stars worldwide populations will be ready for the new messiah to re-establish order and peace at any cost even at the cost of abdication of freedom then chaos will bre break out and people will finally be willing uh, perhaps even desperate to accept the new world order all people will be required to take an oath to lucifer with a ritual initiation to enter the new world order Resistors will be categorized as follows. Uh, Christian children will be kept for human sacrifice or as uh, slaves uh, and prisoners to be used in medical experiments. Now, um, I think the uh, the Project Blue Beam uh, goes like way deeper than just this synopsis, but uh, so I don't want to say this is a conclusive. Um, uh, conclusive statement about it but i think it just gives a, a brief over overview of what what this um i guess what this collation of of um, technology um spiritual application and um basically wizardry all comes into one and so with that it's uh is this premise of uh, uh humanity the human race being primed to accept um a a antichrist uh of these fallen beings these minions of, of of satan under the guise of uh yeah ufos and aliens which um again depending on how, how you've looked at this um there are those that, that just say they're all demons there's no such things as aliens from outer dimensional beings that it's all it's all demonic it's all part of uh um, a, a spiritual principle rather than a cosmological one, uh, which is, is quite a compelling argument, I guess. 
Um, so, yeah, with that being said, I've just seen a, a couple of examples with regards to um, how technology has actually come to the port part where it's not too far off um, in terms of being able to um, pull off a, a light show, as it were, that, that could potentially uh, trick the masses into thinking that the, uh, the, the ghoulies are here. So saw so this one, um, the giant Barbie um, in Dubai. Now, again, it's just that um, fact of like, this is just what we can see or what's been revealed in, in terms of advertising. Who knows what, what uh, technologies are, are being ready to, to roll out um, for the big event? I mean, that's that's a madness. If you've if you've been around the block for a bit, this, this <laughs> I can't believe that we're at like graphics and technology is getting to this point of like it's it's just it's just insane. Uh, we've got the uh, Las Vegas sphere. It's like two billion sphere, two billion dollar sphere that projects. Um, images on this massive ball i mean I, I just think they're a good couple of examples of like quite the levels of, of technology and where we're at and the potential um how that can be used really uh, again this is just scratching the surface we could probably sit here for a long time looking at these things um and then if we just get into the the weird and wonderful Again, the things that have been taking place in the sky. And now, like, UFOs and, and all of this phenomena is not a new thing, obviously, like, goes way back in history. Um, I think in modern history, you've got the, um, the main catalyst being the Roswell incident in the 1950s, uh, how it was then sort of propagated in, in popular culture, in cinema, you know, the, the, the aliens from Mars, uh, you know, they came... The, the came from outer space, like that whole sketch throughout the 60s and 70s. And then I think certainly growing up in my teenage years, you had the X-Files, which which really captured the imagination in terms of, um, you know, uh, there being um, more sentient life than w what we've been told. Um, and so I think it's just fascinating how we've ar arrived at this place where the governments are... are, are supposedly going through this uh, season of disclosure and with the uh, advent of social media and and telephones as well it's like telephones <laughs> telephones <laughs> where did telephones come from uh, mobile phones um we've now got access to a lot of these uh, things being cited now it's one of those ones where has the activity increased or has the ability to capture this activity increased uh, has it been the same rate of, of UFOs and, and phenomena or is it just uh, that we're able to capture them more? Or is there an increase because, you know, things are hotting up? I don't know. But what I think is different is the, the things that are taking place in the sky, like some of the stuff is like next level. I remember like growing up, it would be like a little triangle in the sky or a little cigar shaped thing in the sky. And now it's just full out like, Living cities in the clouds and all sorts going on. But it's just a few examples of that sort of thing.
No. What is it? No idea. I have no clue. Where's the moon? Is it moving? This is blowing. It's like moving down. Right. I mean, you can um, couple all this up with, um, you know, all of the the videos and the footage of like strange noises, um, like worldwide. You had the, I think it's the when the Euphrates dried up, and there's all sorts of like strange noises coming from uh, underground and. You know, I, I guess there there are different perspectives. There's, you know, is is this really the beginning of the, of the end? Um, is it all a deception? Is this just a massive blag? Um, is there really going to be a a, a a spiritual infiltration from things from a different realm into this one? Yeah, it's it's quite fascinating, really. But um. And then we got the actual like UFOs themselves, uh, and again, I, I think with cameras and, and phones and stuff, like some of the footage is actually pretty incredible. Um, yeah, so it's. Uh all of the data we have associated with this event from some years ago.
yeah, so there we have it. Um, something's definitely afoot. Um, and uh, again, it's it's a it's a case that we're not given a spirit of fear. Um, these things are, are expected to take place, and um, I think it's uh, again it, it's something to be maybe perhaps excited about that we're in that we're seeing uh, biblical uh, themes come to uh, come to the fore, and um, yeah, we look forward to uh, uh, to seeing what takes place. What, what are we saying then? Little men from outer space? Or is it all demonic? Um, are we uh, are we nearing the latter days? Is it is it fast upon us? Um, or is it just CGI? Um, similar to the AI principle of, you know the man behind the curtain pulling the strings to make something appear somewhat different than it actually is. I don't know. Let me know. Okay, last uh, last story for for this episode. Um, it's always good to end on some uh, on some good news. Um, uh, quite an inspiring story, this one. I think it's a, a great reminder of um, uh, the 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 privileged position that we have being believers in Yeshua and uh, the uh, some of the ways in which people can come to salvation is uh can be very uh, difficult and very uh extreme and i think this uh this story illustrates um illustrates this and um yeah just a very powerful uh reminder of um what he does and how he uh, how he brings people to 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 freedom and peace in him um so uh yeah just going to let this one play out with a machete and left in a field for dead. This victim's story is just one of many, the survivor stories from a ministry called the House of Hope in Southeast Asia. That's where an ex-drug addict and dealer from California is now saving women and girls from the sex trade. Chuck Holton reports. Across Southeast Asia, a multi-billion dollar worldwide industry thrives in the shadows preying upon the vulnerable and innocent. Underage prostitution is commonplace, and in the middle of this darkness, an unexpected source of light. I'm an ex-drug addict, drug dealer. I used to cook meth, and I lived in California, and I was a terrible person. I was really scandalous, very violent. I was a homosexual, and I let sin control me. And finally, God saved me when, when I was in prison. But her amazing story doesn't end there. When Holly completed her sentence, she decided to go to Bible school. All of a sudden, when I was getting ready to graduate, the Lord called me to Asia. And it was just like this instant love just poured through my heart um, for these people that I never met and I didn't know. And um, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go. And so that's how I got called. 
um, to come here. Unsure of what God had for her, Holly bought a one-way ticket, and she found while walking the streets of her new home, her checkered past became an asset. From my background, it was easy to see the traffickers, and in my mind, they were like little skinny wimps. Before long, Holly was saving girls from the sex trade. The Lord ended up putting on my heart to open a girl's house, just to open a safe place for women to come from the village if they wanted to study in the capital city. But saving girls' lives cost the traffickers money. Somebody attempted to kill me, to pull me off a moto, and I had the left side of my body basically destroyed. I was in the hospital, messed up. At her lowest point, American missionaries Victor and Eileen Marks stepped in to support Holly's house of refuge. After I met Victor and Eileen, everything changed, and that now we're a lot more safe. Um, we can actually get the bad guys incarcerated, which is a big deal. More than 40 women and girls now shelter in Holly's home, all with horrific stories of abuse and redemption. He put acid first. Yeah. He put acid on you first. Yeah. On. On your face. Yeah. And then uh, my eye. Uh huh. So hot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hot. Yeah, it burned your eyes. Yeah. He. So you couldn't see. Yes. Oh, okay. He uh. He grabbed your hair. Yeah. And. And pulled. Cut. Uh, cut. Yeah. And he, oh, he cut your hand. Yeah. This. Oh, uh, cut this hand first. Yeah. yeah. And eyes. He cut. Uh huh. Right here. Yeah, here. Right here. Yeah. The man attacked her with a meat cleaver and then left her to die in the dark. When I was laying out there in the field, I said, If there is a God, please help me. Help your child. Because back then, I was a staunch Buddhist, but I had heard about Jesus Christ before. I said, if there is a God, help your child, Jesus. I heard a sound, and it said, child, get up. When I heard that voice, I couldn't get up because I had no power in me. There was blood all over, and I couldn't sit up, but I felt something that felt like a big hand go underneath my back and help lift me up. Her family eventually found Nora and took her to the hospital. That's where Holly found her. With a safe place to stay and help from donors, Nora eventually recovered. Now she's found peace with the trauma of her past and can even be thankful for the tragedy that brought her to God. Is it difficult to come back here? Is it hard for you to be to come here again? I have freedom. You ha I have freedom? I have freedom, yeah. I'm okay. Happy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. You're amazing. Yeah. These girls aren't just being saved from sexual slavery. They're being invited into a new family. It's not a program. You don't get saved and go into a program. You get saved and you come into the family of God. We're children of God. From East Asia, I'm Chuck Holton for CBN News. Yeah, um... Yeah, well, great story, and um, yeah, it's amazing to see the transformation in people's lives, and um, it's always inspiring and a, a great reminder to to see the adversity that others uh, go through and are still going through, and that um, it's our instruction to to pick up pick up our cross and to to follow Him, come what may, and um, 
yeah, uh, what a privilege it is to do that. So, um, yeah, uh, that's it for, for this week. Uh, thanks again uh, for joining me. Um, really appreciate it. Um, again, um, like, subscribe, get involved with the comments. Um, let us know what you think about the stories. And um, we, uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Um, so from our house to yours, this has been The Upper Room After Hours. Uh, shalom, uh, love to you all and God bless.